Remember that? Uh, a couple quick things. Mike on Hulu, really good show about Mike Tyson. He did not approve it. He's actually suing Hulu over it, but uh, really good show regardless. Eight episodes. It's pretty intense, but it's super stylized. If you liked Elvis, you'd probably like the style of this. So Mike Tyson, one of the greatest boxers to ever live. I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. My cousin, I think she's, forgive me, Chelsea, I think she's 36. This is her first boyfriend, and she's getting married, so I'm going to be there tomorrow. Early, getting there after lunch, helping set up, take pictures, do the wedding. I'm conducting the, nope, nope. I'm just going to hold the phone during a live stream and be like, see? How are you, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> what if I just talked to them the whole wedding? I just, like, narrate. I could do anything. I could hold a live stream and just be like, <laughs> Like, I don't know. I could do it. <laughs> Uh, and then The Patient on Hulu is a is this show with Steve Kerfrickin-Rell from The Office. And he's usually done comedies. He has done some dramas. But this is drama. He traumatized me with his acting in the latest episode of the show, dude. I'm still emotionally reeling from what I just saw on screen. Because it's Steve Carell seeing something extreme on screen. It was really scary. Brendan Gleeson, I don't know if you guys know him from Star Wars, he's uh, Ex Machina. He's been around for probably 10 years now, British guy, but he plays a psychopath in this show, he really does, and uh, he's the patient. And then Steve Carell is his therapist, who is kidnapped by his patient, so it's kind of a whole, it's definitely got some, if it was a comedy, it would be like a brother movie to What About Bob? But it's like a thriller version of What About Bob. Kind of, not really though. Seriously, if you have Hulu, you won't be sorry that you checked it out. You might be. You might be. Actually. I'm working on my third horror movie. That's exciting. And this is going to tie in directly to the first two. You can watch the first two, like, individualistically. But also not really. Because it's supposed to be a direct, like, first, second, and then third. I'm not going to go longer. That's not what I want. I actually want shorter runtime. But I want more abstract. Like a little bit more avant-garde for those real pretentious artists like me. And avant-garde pretty much means abstract. I mean, it was a whole like movement in film where films became less linear and harder to follow. And they would weed out audiences who weren't really paying attention in the first place. I'm very influenced by that. My first two horror films have not been necessarily so abstract. They've been directly linear. But this time I want it to be not like the other two. There's nothing wrong with the other two, but I'm doing something different with this one. I want, I want to try something new. Uh, last thing I'll say about it is, in the first two movies, the horror aspect was an external force. Meh! An external force, like a man. <clears throat> Which our main character, me, had to fight against. This time, because of what happened at the end of the second film, last year's, precisely 11 months ago, because of what happened at the end of the second film, the contents of the this film, <laughs> the horrific ones, come from within and oneself. But anyways, I think that's a really cool idea, and slap me if I'm wrong. So, you know, I don't know much about this topic that I'm going to start, but I have some facts about it that I do find interesante and worth sharing. My mama, my madre. I've had some nicknames, and she's hated them all, but, um, I 
was very influenced by Wallace and Gromit, the old, um, well, not that old, I, mean, I think it's from the UK, the stop motion Wallace and Gromit cartoon. And the sheep would always do this, and so I would always, not always, but I would say mom in that tone and be like, like that and she hated it I mean understandably she didn't know what I was quoting or anything or I remember one time cause I used to just I used to rather say something with ma'am like not not ma'am but like mammy you know something like that I called her mammoth I was like hey mammoth I was just tacking on something else to the word and she was like do not call me mammoth I was like yeah well that makes sense that only happened once anyways my mom had postpartum depression after I was born now she has five kids I'm the second the thumb and then second and she only had postpartum depression with me for two weeks directly after I was born dude for two weeks she did nothing but cry now mind you I did not come out uh, naturally. I was a C-section. I'm a cesarean. I was, you know, all cockeyed and crooked. And they had to ready the knife. And according to my bubby, it's actually a really heartfelt, kind of very anxious story that took place there in the hospital of having to make that decision to go with the C-section as opposed to continuing to try to get me out that way. Which could have really injured me, but... C-section could have really injured my mom. So, anyways. The only thing that stopped my mom's crying, or in other words, not in layman's terms, um, my presence halted her physical temporary ailment, which I do think is a relatively deep thing. And the timing of my birth, I've never been able to place as to why, because... I'm the second, and my older brother is six and a half years older than me. So for six and a half years, my parents were really trying. And then after that, it was like three years, two years, two years for the rest of the siblingry, siblinghood, sibling gang. And I've just never understood why my older brother was kind of left to his own devices. And then me and my younger sister, me, sorry, me and my youngest sister, Kenzie, we're both cesareans. We both got glasses at the age of three. We're both probably the most similar and the most combative when it comes to, like, our personalities. Because we're so similar, so then we clash. I think her and I clashed more than the rest of the, the other siblings. I really don't think I heard any other sibling argue more than Kinsey and I, so... And as I was saying, I don't know much about postpartum depression, really, at all. Uh, I know that my mom was on Zoloft. She was on, you know, some sort of antidepressant for six months after that. And at one point, she got off of those. She stopped taking them and then realized that that was too early. She It was too soon for her. But I just think about those two weeks and how she's never had an experience like that since. She was never as affected by their birth and then affected again by their presence from the trauma that their body went through in that birth. I know a little bit too much about my conception. <laughs> my mom was like, Fort Stevens in the shower, <laughs> referring to me. And my dad goes, Mindy, <laughs> like, hit her. Not hit her. Okay, here's a little disclaimer. The rest of this episode is going to be a little eerie. 
I already kind of foreshadowed it with the talk about my third horror movie that I'm coming out with next next month. But these next two topics that I have, one is the lead-in for the, the last topic, which is written below. I'm going to discuss topics that are, would make people uncomfortable to discuss at all. It might not even be your own belief or belief system for that matter at all. But this does so happen to be mine, and I will... This is my podcast. I'm going to... Uh, talk about it so i don't know what um kind of experience you guys have with horror houses like i went one uh, what i went to one without oh boy i went to one when i was a kid with my friend garrett there let's sing it (laughs) that's like the what's the king uh colin firth who stutters he's a you know, but, but then he cusses and he can, like, get it out. <laughs> What's that called? <clears throat> the Kingsman? No, it's not. No, it's not. He is in that movie, but no, it's not. Totally lost what I was talking about. Horror House. Yes, not... Okay. Horror House, I'm saying. Uh, wow. Let's fix it. I was uh, editing my last podcast and my hair is like this for, like, a part of it. And I was like, dang it. Like, I never fixed it. Okay, so. Postpartum Horror Houses. Nope. Um, I went to Horror House with Garrett, and I remember things popping out at me right in front of my face. Garrett's a little bit older than me, and I remember I have this image of Garrett, his profile, and he's going... (laughs) After that snort, I think I'm going to actually end this podcast, delete my social media... Call 911 and commit a crime. Or maybe I just won't snort like that anymore. Anyways, so that was the first horror house that I went to. The scariest horror house that I've ever been to. I'm getting, I'm gonna get in close for this. You know what? Wait. There. My mom was crying. No, it's, I went to Ohio for Thanksgiving. This was during college. I was visiting some friends. It was about a six-hour drive. Thanksgiving, so you got fall, and they have this Halloween-seasoned horror house. And it's Christian. It's Christian-themed. That's how they pitch it to me, and I was like, probably going to be lame. Not going to lie. That's what I'm thinking. Dude, it wasn't lame. We waited in line forever, and I think ever... (laughs) It it was a long time. We finally get in there, and how they have it set up. So, we're in caves. Legitimate caves that people found and turned into this scenery. And what I mean by that, in groups of probably 15 or 20 people. Similar to how you would do... uh, It's I think it's Guardians of the Galaxy over at uh, Disneyland. I almost said Planet Fitness. (laughs) But it used to be the Tower of Terror that drops you. You're in groups of people there, so this is kind of like that. And you walk through, and and it's like a zoo. It's like a zoo. You have these quote-unquote exhibits, but instead of exhibits, they're scenes played out by actors. And it's not stage acting because you're right there with them. Like, I'm right here with one of the actors, and he's acting in a scene, and I'm with the group, and I have to watch. So it's like really intimate theater. And the scenes are incredibly intense they're not graphic because it's it's christian they gotta keep it clean but they can still horrify it up i mean the first scene is four dudes camping 
starting a fire, unpacking their trucks, setting up tents, cooking, but they have drugs. There's drugs and alcohol involved, and they're passing it around. Hard drugs, like they're like cooking it up and like starting to tie up their arm and get their syringes ready. One of the guys overdoses on whatever he's doing and drops to the ground unexpectedly, and all the dudes start panicking, freaking out. I mean, freaking out. I was terrified. Because it wasn't like a play stage theater necessarily, because we were so intimately close, they had the freedom to be a lot more realistic than you get to be on stage. Because everything's so enhanced, bigger, to the back row. Here it was very realistic. And when movies get realistic about their violence or intense... Stop. Intensity... The more realistic they get, the more disturbing it becomes, actually. So this was disturbing. I I remember so many frames of what was happening because I was just like, like mentally recording. Move on to the next party. Nope, it's a scene, but it is a party. You got college students raging on this riverbank. And this... This riverbank, I mean, not a river, there was no river, but there was a bank in a little creek, but it was in a cave. They have this whole realistic-looking party set up. I was in college at the time, so I should know. Beer cans all over the place, there's music playing, teens are quote-unquote drunk. Somebody, one of the teens, pulls out a gun. They just so happen to have a gun. A gun enters the party. New player in the game. There's a tussle over the gun, the gun goes off and hurts somebody, kills somebody. And they play that out. Everybody starts screaming. 911 is called. They don't get that far as to, like, they come or anything, the authorities, but, like, dude. And then you kind of go down this narrowing hallway. It gets to become pitch black in these caves. Can't see my hand in front of my face. We start this line formation, starting with this rope, and we all have to grab onto this rope. What they wanted to make it feel like was a legitimate march into hell. Like, you're one of these people at this party who passed away suddenly, and you're starting this march. And there's quote-unquote, I don't really want to give them names in this episode, I'm going to hold out until the very end to like really name these entities, but they're dark forces. They're pulling and taunting and screaming, and there's loud growls. And I got into the mindset of really legitimately walking into hell, and what that would be like. It's still pitch black. You finally arrive as a group to the devil on his throne, and he gives this whole speech. Welcoming you into hell. This whole experience that I'm talking about totally enhanced my fear that I already have of hell. So this experience was unforgettable. Because even the thought of this is terrifying, this little cave show that they got going on. But imagine the reality of the situation that we're playing out as human beings. And I firmly believe in another realm other than this one happening at the same time as this one. I do not believe in aliens or ghosts or anything of that nature. What I do believe in has a different name, and one of those names is Fallen Angels. I think ghosts and aliens are essentially this 
dangling carrot in front of humans. They're always chasing, but they'll never get close enough to see the truth of what they're chasing. They'll, they'll always see UFOs from a far, far distance, and the UFO is going to disappear super quickly. They're always going to hear ghosts or almost see ghosts or Ouija boards move. But again, what I truly believe them to be, I don't want to say their name yet because I don't want to invite them into the conversation. I'm being truthful and honest about that. I can refer to them as fallen angels, but that's the last time I'm even going to do that. So in Brazil, there's this ritual or belief system called Batuki. And I've even tried to look it up on Google and I can't find anything about it. So that's really terrifying because I know it exists. I saw it firsthand. These are like dark <clears throat> rituals and um, sacrifices. We would often see strange men right outside our home, kind of across the street. Across the street, but still close enough for concern. They would start a fire and cook a whole chicken and shake some maracas and dance and chant. Like, I mean, it, it was, we would just watch and like, just like, is going on. Saw that quite a few times. So Batuki um, is this, again, belief system. There are spirit guides who are initiated by soaking or sitting, laying in chicken's blood for seven days straight. I don't know the logistics of how that works, but apparently that, that is what they do. My older brother, his first wife, her family in Brazil was involved in a lot of that stuff. During their ritual, she would often go and kick over their statues, their sacrifices, uh, in her protest to her, to her family's involvement. And her dad was a one of those spirit guides who soaked in blood and ate uh, weird animals um, in sacrifice. That is really the closest that I ever got to Patuki. So luckily I was guarded and saved from that. But my brothers did actually experience some some really interesting things. I'm going to talk about what my brothers have experienced and then what I have experienced. And they're all different. They're all unique. But three weeks after getting to Brazil, my older brother Casey was in his room. He's 17 at the time. He's on his computer. The way that the house was set up, it was his room. And then at the end of the house, like, end of the house, you have all the rest of the bedrooms. I don't know why it was set up like that. Casey starts to hear... What sounds like water dropping on the tile it mixed with coins. Water and coins, like nickels, dropping. He doesn't know what's going on. His door is shut at the time. It unlatches and then shuts. And then it unlatches and then shuts. Each time it's harder. And my brother, like, gets in bed. He just lays down, hoping I can ignore it. It's something, There's my window's not even open, so there's no draft. He lays down, and all of a sudden he tries to reach for his phone because his door just continues to freak him out but he can't sit up he can't like he's laying down and he can't let his body up he's just trying to reach and grab his phone and text dad but his body is immobilized he finally gets free grabs his phone texts my dad from my mom's account my dad received this text and jumped from where he was in the bed to the end of the bed <laughs> like he leapt and from my brother's account he texted my dad put his phone down and looked up and dad was there <laughs> Casey was 17 at the time and ghost faced it okay we don't believe enough but he was pale he spent the room what he spent the night in my parents room that night at 17 because he was so terrified of what he experienced 
This was three weeks into this new country. Another time, same brother, older brother, six and a half years. He's walking with his girlfriend on a beach. He's with a group of missionaries. They're all missionaries. They're coming up on this group of people who are all playing music, dancing, chanting, similar to kind of what I described. There's a fire. They're doing sacrifices. Upon approach of this missionary group, the music stops. It halts. And everybody just looks at the missionary group. And the leader starts going, <laughs> Not okay. I'm getting a cramp. I'm getting a cramp. What I think that was is darkness recognizing light. The missionary group kept walking. Nothing happened. No words were exchanged. But the, the same thing happened on the way back. Music stopped. The group just watched the missionaries walk by. In silence. How eerie is that? My younger brother, Kobe, was at summer camp. And by what he... By his account... <clears throat> he witnessed a teen girl become possessed. Guttural, beastly noises coming out of her. I don't know if it was another language or not. Like, unnatural body movements, thrashing. He was deeply affected. He spent a lot of... He had to walk away and cry and, like, spend some time healing. He he could probably work back up to some tears and become emotional talking about it today. From what he saw visually, he was so scarred by this teen girl become possessed at this summer camp with a bunch of people just gathering over her and praying. This girl was very troubled, too. Her brother was my best friend in Brazil, so it's really hard to hear that his sister went through that, and that was <clears throat> that was when I was in college. So the last story that I have is me. I will say up until 2019, I hadn't ever experienced anything from this outer realm that I believe in, which is interesting. To never have experienced it in any real evidence whatsoever other than the stories that I just told you guys, and, and more from other people. But my own stories, I've never been able to contribute when these are being told because I don't have any, but I still believe in it. So in 2019, I was living with my buddy and his girlfriend and his brother in a, in a home that they inherited from their mother who had unfortunately passed away from cancer. They inherited this home and he was in his early 20s and I can't even imagine that being put in that situation. Anyways, Kiowa started to get uh, sleep paralysis. That's what it's called, but that's not what I believe it is. I believe it to be something spiritual. He would wake up, my brother's girlfriend had this happen also, actually, but he would wake up, be immobilized, see a shadow figure in his room, not on anything, not on the wall, it's not a shadow on the wall, it's a shadow in his room, moving closer to him, saying something that was louder the closer he got. And my roommate would wake us up at three in the morning screaming because he thought something was in his room. And I, I believe something was. So this started happening. I, I believe that there was something around his house. What I started noticing, the best way that I can describe it, if you know the smoke monster from Lost, if you don't know it, maybe I could post a picture if I remember, or you guys can look it up on Google Images, but the smoke, the smog monster from Lost, it looks like a miniature version of that, but in my peripheral. And what would happen is it would just go like that. And it would just look like a black, like, flick of something. And I would always go like that. And I just didn't know what it was. But I thought it was kind of spiritual. I, 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 but I thought it was spiritual. So I remember typing in Google, demons in my peripheral. 
peripheral is my, you know, the side vision of my eye. And the first thing to pop up, I didn't even finish typing, and the first suggestion that came up was demons in my peripheral epidemic. I was like, whoa. And really, since 2019, it's progressed to not only be in my peripherals, but also occur in my vision. Stop. Like, in my actual vision. And the funniest thing, the most interesting thing about this is it only tends to happen when I'm doing well in like reading my Bible, praying, discussing the Lord, even going to church. That is when these smog monsters, these demons, what I believe them to be, occur and reveal themselves to me in a different and unique way than they revealed themselves to my brothers. But it's in my own way. And when I start doing really poorly, when I dip back into like gorging on eating and substance abuse and and just general unhealth those visions that i'm having stop they're they're done and that makes sense to me that makes sense because they wouldn't put up a fight if they didn't feel that they were losing you that's a double negative i know or whatever but they're only going to fight if they feel a threat of losing you i believe that there's a fight over your life between good and evil, and it's a, it's a tug of war. And there's good, there's evil, and the closer you go to one, the other side starts to fight. That's what I think. But that's my episode for uh, this time. I just wanted to discuss some stuff that was on my heart and my mind. Thank you guys so much for listening and making it this far if you did in this episode. I will catch you guys next week. Peace and love.